Hey folks, before we get started here, because we're pressed on time and I wasn't able to do this later in the show, uh, I want you to take a minute and check out our main page, thefedorachronicles.com, and I want you to check out our incredible sponsors, Trinity Whip Company, Landry Artifacts, and Chester Cordite. These people provide incredible products and incredible services that um, just have to be seen to believe. And they have been gracious and generous enough to help support the Fedora Chronicles radio show and all the other things that we do. So please be sure to do yourself and them a favor and check them out. Thank you in advance. This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show for the week of June 9th, 2017. I'm your host, Eric Render King Fisk. This is a special edition of the radio show, our audio recording of a conversation with Monzart Bokel from Radio Retro Future that was recorded this past May. This is our rebuke and rebuttal against the article Mad Max Fury Road is not steampunk, it is diesel punk, published on the website Daily Dot, written by Aja Romero. Apologies if I got the name wrong. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Let's get ready to rumble. Yeah, because we do have uh, a bone to pick, I assume. Uh, let me uh, see the stream help. Yeah, perfectly. Uh, no one is watching yet, which is disappointing, but considering the uh, topic we were just discussing, it doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, did you share uh, the link, by the way? I actually did. I shared it on my on my Twitter. Um, you can follow, if for all of you who are listening, you can follow me on Twitter, Fedora Chronicle. That's Fedora Chronicles without the S. Um, just, yeah, that's how you can follow me on Twitter. And I try really hard to... Um, I'm not obnoxious with the tweets, but I do try and tweet at least five times a day. So you don't have to worry. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like tell like post pictures of like what I had for breakfast or, you know, my. I don't think my wife is gonna take pictures of me snoring. She might take video of me snoring to prove that I snore, but that's it. That's all you have yeah. to worry about. And lots of picture of me and my fedora, me and my cat with fedora, me and the dogs with the fedora. And it's like, I, I rant about everything. And, you know, th- what's perfect is that it keeps me from ranting too long. It's 148 characters. That's it. Perfect. Just a glass of uh, gin and uh, tonic. Great for these kind of things. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, let, where, where should we start? With um, the author's opinion that uh, Mad Max is diesel punk or the fact that you're a fascist? Oh, I'm a fascist. Oh, really? I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a you did fasc- read the article, right? No, I did read the article, and uh, it was just okay. like, uh, well, let 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 me just read the, the first part of the article. I've gone this uh, point by point uh, in my video I did uh, on uh, on this article. Um, um, but uh, yeah, the offer starts with pretty much this. Uh, much has been made of the visual aesthetic of Mad Max Fury Road, from its orange and blue saturated landscapes to its dramatic special effects. But one theme has reoccurred in discussions of the film, and it's the wrong one. Mad Max is not steampunk. Okay. So what's your impression of that? Yeah, so that's far. That's how it starts. So, okay, so far. Yeah, I'll tell you the full story about this, because it's actually quite in- uh, interesting. Oh, um, I somebody asked you, what your Twitter was. Uh, my, my Twitter yeah. is Fedora Chronicle, at Fedora Chronicle. Yeah, and uh, mine is uh, at Denkert Lexicon. Um, anyway, going on. So, yeah, this is the first statement, and it's rather interesting because I got this article in my feed. However, the weird thing is, uh, this article is from 2015, so how could I get this old an article in Oh, he feed? updated it. He uh, updated it again. They, up- they updated it again, yes. And the first title I saw was Mad Max is not steampunk, and, and that's important. I-, I thought it was a 
really really weird uh, a title to have. So why is it important? I thought. So I clicked it, and then all of a sudden the title changed in Mad Max Fury Road is not steampunk, it's diesel punk. Um, so yeah, that that sounds like a first class. Uh, uh, how do you call it? Clickbait to me. Um, but uh, yeah, of course, it's uh, it's the, the offer goes on. It's easy to see why casual viewers might think that it is. It's got brass and cocks and goggles, all well-known parts of the steampunk visual aesthetic. But these are not the. Um, but these are only minor pieces of a Mad Max ruler universe of chain steel, vintage cars, gasoline, and decay. Fury Road isn't steampunk. It's diesel punk. Okay. So what's your what's your opinion on that? He was absolutely totally correct up until he said Mad Max is diesel punk. Then I mean, let me let, I mean let me ask you. I mean, do you want Eric Fisk at level four, or do you want me to go all the way to like maybe ten or eleven? Because I mean, I I, w- I would love to be able to go off on this guy. Oh man, you are going to eleven. I am when going. I continue, uh, reading this article to you but before you You are going to 11 maybe 12 before you go any further okay this guy who wrote this um it's a woman by the way it's oh it's a woman okay um aja romero um Uh, let's see what her name was again i i yeah okay romero uh romano okay wrote a really great article um uh let's see october 8th 2013 diesel punk 4 begins Welcome to the world where the 40s never ended. And this is like a quintessential article that explains to, to folks in a very sort of very simplistic kind of way what diesel punk is. And how could the author of this article write this abomination that, that you're about to continue you, to eviscerate? But, Go ahead. Uh, yeah, we, uh, it's, uh, uh, let's see. Yes. <clears throat> but, oh, uh, but these are only minor. P- oh, wait, we already got that. You might not think this is distinction matters. After all, all movements are easily confused. Both involve cool cosplay and a fascination with alternate historical views of the world. But dieselpunk differs from steampunk in several crucial ways that inform the politics of Fury Road. No, no, not true. <laughs> it's, sim- it's simply not true. Yeah, yeah. but the, the funny thing here is um, this is for later because uh, she tells a, a, a fascination with alternate historical views of the world. Um, um, but yeah, let, let's just go on, because the interesting bits is, is, is way down the line. Generally speaking, steampunk focuses on the aesthetic of the mid-late 19th century. It imagines that the technology of the age advanced into the future, but the aesthetic of the, and cultural markers stayed more or less the same. Well, let me just say, as uh, someone who somewhat identifies as steampunk, this is incorrect. Uh, steampunk is alternate history. And the reason why I think it's very interesting that she notices this is because she, in the in the in the, in the paragraph before this, she talks about alternate historical views, and now she all of a sudden says, "Oh, it's historical prediction." No, it's no, no, <laughs> I don't think so. But no, 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 it isn't. No, it isn't. But there is a reason for all of this, and you're gonna you're gonna find out why. Uh, there 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 is a reason why she does this. The core of steampunk concepts, yeah, the core of the steampunk concept is that the world of the future still runs on steam power, steam power ships, airships, vehicles, and trains. It's a sustainable resource. Uh, can you call steam a resource? I don't think so. Is steam a resource? Steam uh, power, I guess, could be a resource. Uh, is it? But is I, I it think coal is, and and water? Those I would call resources, but steam is the result of a process it's, it's water evaporate oh okay it's it's water evaporation so maybe you can call it a resource, so it's a, it's, so I, it's I, a I, renewable so but steam. i wouldn't call it sustainable i mean i see i was about to ask you is is i wouldn't steam. call it sustainable unless you're talking maybe about solar powered steam engines which i do not really uh <laughs> i don't know um I, I, yeah I, I don't think this is correct anyway it gives the steampunk universe the freedom to experiment with alternate hist- uh, technologies or magical fonts if you're into that the steampunk world is an expensive world growing and exciting full of cogs and clocks and light and electricity diesel punk on the other hand fixates on the early 20th century particularly the 19 
1920s, 1940s. Diesel punk society uh, is entirely powered by diesel. In the diesel punk world, technology may yield power, but it comes at a cost. You want me to go on yet? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think here. I'm trying to... What drives me crazy about the the, the daily dot, as it were, is because the thing is, is, is that they have all the streaming video going on, and it's hard to, like, like turn it off. Um... Mm. Well, um, well, probably, maybe I have got an ad blocker on. I'm not sure. I don't. I, you I don't you see must. Them, but yeah, it's filled to the brim with advertisements. It's it's almost it's it's almost unusable if anything like that. Um. Well, I go. No, because the thing is, let's okay, let's let's back this up here for a second, and let's look at this thing where this is like the core of steampunk concept is a world of the future that runs on blah blah blah. Okay, every yeah. ev everything that she says about about steampunk is, is superficially true superficially yes. superficially true and the thing is in and i made the argument a, a short while ago a couple of weeks ago uh, about the use of the word steampunk and 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 for it mm -hmm. to be steampunk it has to have the the aesthetics of the victorian era and it has to be sort of like a counterculture movement it has to have it has to have the angst and it sort of has to be against the the modern pa fashion style paradigm Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. I maintain that for it. Yeah, you want me to continue? Yo, no. Yeah. Go okay. ahead. Go ahead. I know you want to continue. Go ahead. Oh. Uh, oh. Yeah. 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 Because I. I. I'm so looking forward to how you're going from eleven to twelve. I. I want to see that step. Anyway, in Dieselpunk, the energy of pre-war Art Deco and its emergent technology comes head to head with rare cynicism of a world made bleak by WW2. Dieselpunk emphasizes war and weaponry, where steampunk emphasizes peace and technology. Invention. Dieselpunk is gritty and grimy, where steampunk is clean. Dieselpunk emphasizes artillery, steel, and iron. In essence, steampunk is gold and brass. Dieselpunk is silver and chrome. Oh my God! You know when you when you hear it when you hear it as reading it reading it to myself silently was bad enough. You reading out loud adds a a, a level of nuance to the BS that I think yes. I missed out on. I mean, this. This is something that somebody wrote who hates diesel punk. And she is saying things about diesel punk that, I mean, again, is only superficially true from the perspective of, oh, of somebody it, who has it, no it idea. Deeper. She has she deeper. has no idea what she's talking about as far as diesel punk. No there's no mention at all about like 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 brown leather or anything like that. I'm being facetious, no. of course. But the thing no. is, is it in this paragraph? alone she is she is so what's the word i'm looking for she's so inept and and it Whoa. was just it, it disturbs me and it bothers me that a publication like the daily dot would actually go ahead and publish this unless of course it's it, it has to be an opinion column but the thing is is that it's not even an opinion column because you're not entitled to your own opinion you are entitled to your own informed opinion and mm -hmm. i have a hard time believing believing that this is the right. same person who wrote <laughs> Diesel Punk for Beginners. Yeah, we can talk a little uh, later about Go ahead, that go ahead. To get to this uh, thing. But uh, what I want to comment on this, they see, she says that, yeah, Dieselpunk is one thing and, and Steampunk is something completely else. And, um, yeah, they, the elements she notes, they can be both in Steampunk and Dieselpunk. They're not mutually exclusive, nor are they unique to either genre. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's quickly was something I wanted to say because I, I really, really want to go continue with this because she continues on. Oh my god. A diesel punk society. A diesel punk society is one in a state of depletion, which brings us, of course, to Ned Max Fury Road. Not even true. Normal. Not even true. <laughs> Not, I'm. I'm sorry. It's if you're gonna take a minute to breathe, Bonzart. I'm gonna take a moment to interject here, and I'm just gonna say, Dieselpunk Society is not a state of depletion. Not at all. Not even in the slightest. Now, if you're going to be talking about, I don't know, a post-apocalyptic punk, you maybe. And and that this, I'm sort of, I'm sort of like spending my my powder, um, before the climax here. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. but go ahead. Go ahead and, and, and tell us uh, more about Fury Road. Yeah. Normally, Dieselpunk society evolved from an anachronistic point of view in history, but the world
world of Max Bass has eroded there instead. The only cars that can survive in a post-apocalyptic wasteland or, uh, are older cars made of steel and muscle. These metals aren't, uh, aren't significifiers of evolution or technology, but decay and enslavement. The core resources that are fueling their culture are also killing them. Max is put in iron masks and the wives are put in steel belts. What once was a society of art deco decadence has become a wasteland where everything glitters but nothing is gold. Their vision of heaven as a glittering shiny metropolis is less Valhalla and more 1920s Manhattan. How did she come up with that sentence? There is nothing in this movie that says anything about a, the society that of, of art deco decadence. Uh, art deco decadence is nowhere in this movie. It's nowhere in this movie. <laughs> It, it all goes somewhere. That's that's the horrible part. That's the horrible part. And uh, but let me go on. And so deep is the War Boys' dedication to Immortan's Joe's diesel punk aesthetic that before they die, they spray their mouths with chrome. It's mm. only when the fugitives escape into the desert where the last unrefined oil hides that the masks come off and the steel traps come off. The metaphorical gloves come off. Once they are shed of iron and steel, they can. Sh slowly strip themselves of the other masks, other, uh, sorry, the other markers of their oil-dependent society, aggression, and internalized violence. I don't even know what to say, because the thing is, is that my, I, I don't know if you could hear it in the background, my sons just came home, and my youngest son asked me two nights ago, Dad, what's the dumbest thing you've ever read? And I gave him another answer, and I'm looking at this here, and I'm like, no, and I take my, I take it back, this, <laughs> this, this is the dumbest thing I've read. And, and not maybe not in my entire life. It's in the top 10. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Fury Road has a clear environmental message. The world's emphasis on diesel fuel has run it into the ground. Some views of the movie have criticized the excess as implausible, but excess fueled by nihilism is a core part of the diesel punk aesthetic. Moreover, it's precisely the entire point of the film. Immortan's Joe Patriarchy is so committed to its excess and waste, it can't stop even when it's literally poisoning and sickening itself. What? Did you even see the movie? What what are you what are you talk what what are you talking about? <laughs> Hold on a second here. Let's now I'm trying I'm trying to see here and I'm trying to like oh, so is so committed to its excesses and waste. What excesses and wastes were there? There was nothing the only, there was nothing to waste. The only uh example I could think of and I I told it in my video um, is the scene where they have all this water coming down on these wretched people. Um, but it reminded me more of the, the, the bread and games of the Romans than anything else. It was it was more like this, this fascist was rationing water to such an extreme to have these water mm. ceremonies. Uh, there was, I mean, I mean, uh, unless, you, unless you're talking about the excess and waste of sand. I mean, there was an excess of sand, I guess, maybe. <laughs> yeah. like, what what excesses and waste is she talking about? Please, go ahead. Please. But there is a flip side. Yeah. But there is a flip side to this commentary, too. A side that calls out fans of every aesthetic it's basing itself on. Steampunk relies on depictions of futuristic worlds still clinging to a nebulous 1940s mystique, along with elevating the war-era 20th century. Dieselpunk has often been criticized for fetishizing and embracing fascism and fascist ideals. A fascination with Nazi regimentation is a reoccurring theme with certain subcommunities of diesel punk, and the genre has given rise to a zip genre, diesel funk, that functions partially as a critique on its whiteness. Oh wow, boy, wow, she's really stretching. She's, you know yeah. what? She's got to be a full core black belt yoga master or mistress. <laughs> The, the stretches that she is able to achieve in in that sentence alone defies logic. Because the thing is, is that out yeah. of all the people that I know who are into diesel punk, I think the people who are into 1930s and 40s style fascism, let me see if I can, let me see if I can get this tongue twister out properly. The fashion of fascism from the 1930s and 40s is not the majority of us, is not the majority of any 
any of us at all in the slightest bit, it is probably maybe less than maybe less than 1%. I'm guessing. I don't really think that there are a lot of people in the diesel punk community who get a hard on for Nazi <laughs> uniforms. I'm pretty sure. And I I mean, and I've I was in diesel punk before diesel punk was called diesel punk. Okay. I remember when diesel punk was called like safari wear or something. The the safari, the 1930s, 40s safari aesthetic, as it were. And I have no I have no problem admitting that I like the aesthetic look of the the resistance fighters or or the partisan fighters of, of World War II, but it's like I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Nazis. I mean, if you fo- if you follow me on Facebook, you know what I think about Nazis, and you know what I think about Nazi sympathizers. This is so wrong. This <laughs> if. Yeah. If I know if diesel punks, if diesel punks were a minority group, this would be considered racism. This is yeah. this is so abhorrently wrong. Oh, but did you Go, did you notice that they uh, she said diesel funk is a reaction to the fascism in the community? Well, you know, maybe maybe it is to some people because I do know that there are some people who believe that there is there are you know minorities were not treated properly um, in the 30s and 40s, and but the the thing is, is that one of the things that I like, I mean, I appreciate about the 30s and 40s is that there were genuine problems that people tried to mm-hmm. overcome and try right. to fight. And I'm not, I'm not saying that the world was perfect in the 30s and 40s. No, no one does. But, but no I, does. I, I mean, that's the, 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 the whole fallacy that's going on here. But I, but I love. They, they do the same to steampunk, by the way, like uh, saying it's a imperial fetishism and a white supremacy movement. It's not but true. But then again, every... it's, it's not true. Yeah, but, you know, but, uh, um, yeah, the the thing with the diesel funks is, it, it yeah, the the things she uses the word whiteness, and the word whiteness can mean a lot of things. It's one of those words that means whatever they want it to mean, uh, because uh, they uh, consider fascism to be white. Not so, true. Not true. Not true. It, but yeah, okay. it is not, but it's what what whiteness can mean. Like I said, can mean because it means whatever uh, uh, suits them in in in, in discussions. Um, so yeah, she basically says that or could say. That, that diesel funk is a reaction to this, um, and that's that's and that's that, that, and that, that, that's a legitimate opinion, though. I mean, that's yeah, but I but this is not the whole story. No, it's like, not I, even I close. Read, I I uh, I spoke with Team Fielder, uh, who has Diesel Funk Studios. Uh, I've watched a lot of the panels on Diesel Funk, and no, it's a reaction. Uh, <clears throat> it is a reaction, but it's more a reaction to uh, the fact that uh, you know the, the the black community in the United States. It has its own culture. Uh, it has its own celebrities like George Washington Carver. Uh, you know, a lot, few uh, white authors uh, write about George Washington Carver. A uh, few uh, people write about, oh, what was her name again? A very uh, well-known uh, uh, black spy who spied for the Federation. Um, uh, yeah, I... I I don't know what her name is again, uh, but you know, <clears throat> she, they wanted to write about people like that. They they just wanted to use inspiration from their own community. It had nothing per se to do with racism. Um, what what she basically claims here. Um, so what I want people to understand is there is no animosity between the diesel funks and the diesel punks. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I wanted to to make sure this is not a reaction to that. As a matter of fact, if they would have started a few years later, they might have thought it would be a little bit redundant um but yeah to use a word as whiteness is very deceitful because it can mean so many things so yeah that was my problem with this little bit uh, basically using diesel funk as a kind of a shield yeah okay i mean i mean the th- i mean the thing is is that out of everything that she's written so far this is that's probably probably the least egregious it's pretty egregious but it's not the least egregious thing that she writes in this article for me and i i think that for this for this article it only gets worse i mean so far it's 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 pretty bad but like mm-hmm. i said yeah th- things get progressively bad as we go on go ahead yeah it's rare to see depictions of diesel punk on film, much less part of a fully realized universe. But in Mad Max, director George Miller doesn't just recreate the aesthetic, he eviscerates it. He demonizes fascist tactics of aggression and conquest. He draws upon every cultural element that diesel punk is founded upon. 
over industrialization, militarization, imperialism. But instead of depicting them as beautiful, he depicts them as utterly unsustainable, both in technology as a, and a culture. Wow. She does first of all, did she even see the movie? And does she even know what diesel punk is? I mean, she could be. I mean, she could be talking about any other genre ex- except for diesel punk. I mean, the thing is that there are people who like. I guess we call it desert punk or apocalyptic punk. Apocalyptic. If she's talking about apocalyptic punk, then she's right. This is not. De- no, this is none of this here is true. In this, I mean, I'm dumbfounded. So go. So, the, but the thing is, is like he draws upon every cultural element of that is diesel punk is founded on. The thing is, is that nowhere, nowhere in this movie is there any aspect of the aesthetics of the jazz era culture. Nowhere. The jazz era culture yeah. is a is is one of the cornerstones of diesel punk. If you take out the 1930s and 40s aesthetic, the jazz era style aesthetics or the art deco style and aesthetics, it's not diesel punk anymore. You can call it whatever you want, but you can't call it diesel punk because it's not diesel punk anymore. For it, to, I mean, and I'm going to repeat this for some people to hear. For it to be diesel punk, it has to have the style aesthetics of the 1930s and 40s, which I don't think any of this any of this movie has. There's no art deco. There's no flapperware. No men in fedoras. There's no men in in uh, diesel punk wear. I guess. I mean, there is, but there is the apocalyptic punk aesthetic everywhere. I mean, it's just. <clears throat> It, it's it's just every single sentence in this article just gets deeper and deeper into the nuances of this woman's ignorance in what is diesel punk. Go ahead. Yeah. And Dancy uh, uses the... Uh, you have the article in front of you, right? I do. Because Dancy points at a, at a picture of one of those cars with all these spikes on the roof. Yeah. And she says, I mean, look uh, seriously, look at this thing. She says, this vehicle has all the markers. A tech- Why does he write it like this? Has all the markers. Technology. Technologically. Supposed to say? Technologically of diesel punk. It's a 1940s contraption mired in grime, layered over with some serious vicious weaponry. But it doesn't necessarily look appealing or cool or anything, but terrifying. Oh, maybe that was the whole point. It's a product of a world where iron rust, steel corrodes, and chrome kills. It isn't something to aspire to. This is literally all that is left. That's not That's not diesel punk. That's not diesel. I mean, it, it's... No, no, Eric, you're looking at it wrong. This is a deconstruction of diesel punk. No, okay, no. It's a... It, it, okay. Okay. I mean, the thing is, is that I think that somewhere underneath all that crap, there was probably a a 1930s or 40s coupe or sedan i i guess i guess but that's not that's not diesel punk to me i mean i i've only i've only been running a website called the fedora chronicles since 2004 and i've been into diesel punk longer than the word diesel punk existed no that's somebody took an old car in the junkyard and piled some crap on it that's that's all that is that's that's yeah, not that's what i would think but Let's talk about. It. We're almost done through this, and then go, we get the, go the, for it on, on why she wrote it. Oh, please! Uh, put- Steampunk is about a world waiting to happen. Dieselpunk is about a world that's about to self-destruct. Nope. And that's the crucial difference. And that's why Mad Max Fury Road deserves to be known of what is an important subversive dieselpunk film. Nope. Nope. It. Yeah, that's it. Nope. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with that. With that. With that. Those last two sh- sh- sentences. No. Yeah. <laughs> Steampunk is about a world waiting to happen. Okay. You could also say that that dieselpunk is about a world waiting to happen through the style and aesthetic of the 1930s and 40s. A buddy of mine, Walt Schnabel, dropped off some books um, that that he had that he that he's been unloading. And the thing is that these, this is, um, I guess you could call them Ray Punk, but the thing is they were, they were, they were written and published in, in, in the, in the forties and, uh, they were published in 1952. And the thing is, is that you can definitely see the futuristic style aesthetic that I consider diesel punk on the cover of these books and throughout these books. Right. And, right. and the thing is, yeah. is that you have, you have men in suits and fedoras, you know, riding these these futuristic machines futuristic. with 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 the style and aesthetic of 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 the jazz era. No, no. Yeah. The thing is, is that diesel punk is about a world waiting to happen from the perspective of people who like the jazz era style aesthetic, or from somebody who actually lived in the 30s and 40s. So no, and diesel punk. No, I'm this diesel punk yeah. is not about a world that is about to self destruct. No, yeah, she makes it look like that. That all post 
post-apocalyptic movies are diesel punk, isn't it? It's not true. No, I get you. Yeah. And I'm, and yeah, I'm, well, that, that, that's the thing. And um, you know, the, the whole thing. And you, you said yourself, it's interesting, a good article on it in the past, which uh, kind of proves uh, my my theory of what's going on here. I also said this in the video. Um, you know, first of all, uh, about the fascism, I don't think uh, Immortan Joe is a fascist. I think he's a very typical theocrat. Um, yeah. Because I, I take fashions very seriously, so I like to fashions to be very neatly defined. Um, now, there is a very thin line between religion and fascism. Very true. They go hand in hand in most cases. Uh, a matter of fact, I'm not sure I am aware. I, I, no, I'll rephrase that differently. I am not aware of fascist movements that are secular. Um, most identify very strongly with religious identity. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a very thin line, but um, <clears throat> there's this speech that Immortan Joe makes, and it's basically all about him and how the people in this world... He's the savior of the people in this world. He's the one giving the water. The, the, the war boys die in his name, and all those other religious symbolism and, and, and references in movies. Uh, so, no. I think he's a typical theocrat, not a fascist, because that's basically what this article is implying about him and that's why she goes on this rant uh, about diesel punks uh, and, and, and their link to fascism now of course this is very typical of the current era um, everyone is a fascist who is not part of their political clique Speaking of political cliques, I think this is what this is about. I think this uh, woman um, wants to be part of this uh, political clique, uh, this this group of bloggers and vloggers and 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 so-called journalists that write these kinds of crap on a regular basis. Um, and this this is her. Um, yeah, she she wrote many articles like this, and and she she writes in support of people like Zoe Quinn, who is very notorious. Okay. Um, uh, she she was uh, the the one that. Uh, uh, her actions basically sprung the Gamergate uh, thing. Um, but yeah, this is a, a woman who just wants to be part of this clique of journalists. So she <laughs> she made up this story about diesel punks being these fascist white supremacists, because let's be frank here, that's what she's heavily suggesting. And yeah, this is basically her virtue signaling, as uh, it's often called, to uh, her like, to her friends in, uh, in this political clique. Uh, so I don't even think this is politically motivated. I think this is just herself trying to elevate herself within this group of people. Well, let's just sort of like, let's 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 just let, let's take a cleansing breath for a second here and, and let's stop and 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 look at who is who is this person article she wrote she has rules that are very uh, okay all right yeah very very much like this okay but the thing is like you do a search for her and you're going to come across this um fanlore.org wiki page and the thing is is that she cut her teeth on being a fanfic writer for Harry Potter fandom. And and the thing is, is that apparently, according to this in a sentence I'm reading here, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, she writes satirical posts in a diary format and her attempts to be, beat this other fan in, in, in gating um, BNF status in Harry Potter fandom. And, and you, you read this and the thing is that it's like, it's like, I can't take this person seriously. I mean, you know... Come on. Yeah, but, but look, look uh, who she's writing about. Uh, she is talking about the online harassment summit. Uh, she's talking about Brianna Wu, who is uh, very well controversial. Um, I think she, yeah, Zoe Quinn is among these people. She really wants to be part of these clique of uh, of of of, uh, of of well, social justice warriors. I'm not sure if she really is a social justice warrior because most social justice warriors are far are, more blatant uh, uh, about these kinds of things, and and she is really subversive in her language. Language in, in, in making these claims, um, which is kind of surprising, especially usually these, these kinds of people just say flat out, 
in the articles, oh yes, this is uh, like five reasons why Mad Max uh, is 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 uh, 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 a men's rights movement propaganda piece, well, or something uh, like that. You know, let's also take it back a couple of notches here in in the realm of Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Do you do you remember the first Mad Max movie? Oh yeah. Okay. Did you see the Road Warrior, also known in other parts of the world as Mad Max Two? Yeah. Okay. Those 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 two movies were not diesel punk okay if any if anything it's like the original mad max was a was a um it it was a it was a it was a it was a thriller action adventure horror movie about society falling apart in the in the late 1970s okay and it was a commentary it was it was a commentary on society at that time and there was none of this Mm -hmm. nuance about diesel punk at all i mean the thing is is that and the thing is is that you know the closest thing to diesel punk is that you maybe his leather jacket maybe you know and that's a stretch okay mm-hmm. and it was all about these 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 roaming gangs on motorcycles wrecking havoc on the good people in australia uh, that's what the original mad max movie was yeah the second mad max movie the road warrior was about a dystopic future through the perspective of people who were living in the 70s and 80s after the opec oil crisis mad max's yeah. sequel the road warrior was a commentary on society collapsing because of the depletion of of the resources in the in the um yeah. with the with I, I think there there was a resource war going on and then they basically nuked the planet yeah exactly and all the warring factions nuked the planet and the thing is is that the first the first five minutes of the road warrior is a perfect example of exposition dialogue watch the first <laughs> watch it it is a perfect example of how you can set up the story in just a uh, in just a few short minutes and how you can go from Mad Max to the road, road Warrior and how you can get to a dystopic future as it were Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome has nothing to do with diesel punk diesel punk wasn't even a thing back then it was it was people mm-hmm. surviving by scavenging through junkyards or people scavenging whatever that they could find and it had nothing to do with the 1930s and 40s aesthetic if anything it was it was the exact opposite of of the jazz era aesthetic you couldn't get much further away from the jazz era aesthetic than mad max beyond the thunderdome you just couldn't Mm -hmm. okay i think you would be hard-pressed to prove that mad max beyond the thunderdome is a is a diesel punk movie it's obvious if you read if you read her article that you just reread she has not seen the first three first three mad max movies a lot of people would say well well that's not she doesn't talk about it she doesn't even talk about it is it it's it's like they don't even exist to her okay yeah well she she talks about this whole thing as if the whole post-apocalyptic genre isn't a thing like uh she she doesn't mention things like Waterworld or postman or any of those movies so it sees she really wants to strike this false economy between steampunk and diesel punk and basically goes on to a conclusion where she shames diesel punk for being these these closet fascists Uh, and i think that's the whole point of this so she can you know and I'm, once again, I'm, I, I am really con- considering her history and, and articles. She really wants to be part of this clique of people. And yeah, and, 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 and places like the Daily Dot love these kind of articles because uh, Tim Poole did a very good um, um, a video on this. Uh, he, he himself is a journalist. He was uh, at places like... Uh, uh, how do you call the uh, where were those uh, Antifa riots again? Not Berkeley. Yes, in Berkeley. Berkeley the, yeah. The last week, yeah, he was at places like Berkeley, and basically what he says, uh, like you gotta uh, think that in in I think the United States uh, when it looks uh, when you look at the the, the political uh, spectrum, only seven percent of journalists in the United States uh, identifies Republic. Only seven percent. So uh, that uh, what he wanted to say was that. A lot of places like the Daily Dot, BuzzFeed is very notorious for this, are convinced that uh, selling news like this to hip young liberals that mainly live in the city area uh, will sell their, their papers. And they're right, it's much more profitable at the moment to sell uh, partisan news. Oh, absolutely. Sell a certain political perspective. And it's it's what, what Fox News is very well known for. And now... Yeah, and MSNBC, MSNBC. 
you know, um, PBS and NPR, they're also very, very partisan. All the news organizations here in the United States, with a very, very rare exception, are are partisan. Everybody is partisan. Every news organization is partisan from one extreme to another. And the thing is, is that you look at the behavior of Antifa in in the Berkeley College area, that is more in line with the villains of um, of Mad Max Fury Road than anything else. Antifa is is something that is like it's it's the kernel or the little seed that grows into the world of Mad Max with the extreme. If you don't like what I if I don't like what you say, I'm going to punch you in the face. That is exactly. that is what Antifa yeah. is. Um, and here's the thing: I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not a Hillary Clinton supporter. Okay. If anything, I'm a I'm a true anarchist in the sense that I don't like either of the political parties. <laughs> I don't like any. I think I think that anybody. Anybody who wakes up one morning and says, I'm going to be the leader of the free world and everybody is going to have to bow to my greatness and kiss my feet because I'm going to become the president of the United States or whatever. That person to me is a scumbag. That's the same kind of person who, when the teacher left the classroom and said, Susie, you're in charge or I'm gone. I fucking hate Susie. Pardon my French. People like (laughs) Susie. I cannot stand, I cannot abide by the people who seem to think that because they are self-appointed rulers, that somehow I should bow to their self-appointed authority. Those people I detest. And the people who, okay, you don't like Donald Trump being president. I understand that. I get that. That's fine. I understand it. But the minute you ball up your hand into a fist and you punch a stranger in the face because, not because he's a Trump supporter, but because you think he might be a Trump supporter. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's that's the the, the terrifying thing about articles like this. Uh, to them, there are only two kinds of people in the world: people that belong to their little clique and people that are fascists. There is no there's no middle ground. You have to choose a, a place. Uh, for example, you've got the whole thing with a very well-known YouTuber, a Total Biscuit, and it was at the beginning of Gamergate, and he tried to write a as objectively objective uh, article as possible on the whole Gamergate thing. And still, these very people try to uh, take away his channel, uh, dox him, uh, try to 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 uh, get his family fired from their jobs. Yeah. For being neutral. Yes. Yes. I wrote a skit. This, this, this wasn't fascists doing this. This was these people that, you know, stand up for, for communities. Well, I happen to know that these very people that stand up for the minorities, as soon a person of said minority uh, disagrees with them, they're porch monkeys. They're dogs for, yeah. for these fascist yeah. people. I've seen it just this week where, where uh, somebody compared a, a, a black person who disagreed with his positions uh, for agreeing with somebody he didn't like. Uh, being a dog, a literal dog that yeah. that was being kept in a kennel. I mean, Jesus! It's it's it's, dis- it's disgusting how these people can can paint with a broad brush, but the minute you paint with a broad brush, you are you're a, the villain again. So you mean yeah. to tell me you mean to tell me that these diesel punk cosplayers who cosplay as as partisan as partisan or resistance fighters against the Nazis they're also fascists people who fight uh, fascism much, yeah. no without, that only without the self uh, the self uh, awareness about that, it that know. that doesn't that doesn't make any sense at all it it doesn't make absolutely totally any sense at all and you know, because the thing is, is, I was thinking about this earlier, and and I think that this is sort of like an an important distinction to point out. There's a guy out there somewhere out there. You, you can look him up, Gerald Posner. Gerald Posner wrote what can only be considered the second worst book on the Kennedy assassination. It is by far the worst written and the worst researched book on the Kennedy assassination. And on top of that, he's he's also been charged for plagiarism, where he stole. Of course. 
thoughts and ideas written by other people that were already bad and passed them off to this. He wrote the second worst book on the topic of the JFK assassination. And people use his book, even though so many aspects of the book have been debunked and thrown out. His book, Case Closed, is used as a rallying cry for the for the people here in this country who are quasi-fascists in the sense that right or wrong, the government is always right. The, 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 these are the same people who, yeah, who okay. seem to oh, think God. that who, these are the same people who seem to think that the members of their own political party, whatever they do, the, the, ends, the ends justify the means. If, if, if yeah, they can do no wrong, basically, if, yeah. uh, if, if, if Richard Nixon wants to tap your phone and go through your, your records, then he should be allowed to do that because gosh darn it, he's the president. And if, if, if you're not a terrorist, then you have nothing to worry about the, the NSA going through your phone records and the, and the, and, and the NSA opening up your mail before the, the post office that, and, and it's, and those people, those people are pseudo fascists. They don't mind the government stepping all over your civil rights because their, their ends justify yeah, but, the means. Uh, before we go into a whole political rant, uh, I think we uh, should keep it at that. Um, <laughs> See, this, yeah. is, this is what happens. See you, but you asked for it. You, this yeah, is you. I, asked I know, for it. I know, but I, I, I really, you know, I, I'm, I've seen so many articles like this. I've seen articles far worse than this, by the way. Uh, but, you know, I don't want the drama because these are actually well-known steampunk writers. Um, yeah, but see, but, yeah, but like you, I said, they want to be part of a clique. So, but yeah, um, but, but I'm really, I, I didn't expect this when I started the, the article. Uh, I especially especially I from know her. This was going. Especially, so especially I, I started from... reading the, the, uh, the, 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 the thing paragraph by paragraph, commenting on it because I was assuming it was going to be something about something else. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, all these... Uh, these are punk fascist uh, communities okay <laughs> so uh, it's you know but, the, the the thing is is that i should be more insulted than i am because i know the people in all of the diesel punk communities online are good decent fascist fighting people what she has done in this article yeah. is she has insulted a large part of the population the diesel punk population who was on her side she wrote this great article i I don't agree with everything that she said in Diesel Punk for Beginners, but if you wanted to explain to somebody, it was you pass this article on to people and said, this is an idea. This is what her idea. It's not bad. It's not great, but it's not wrong either. All the goodwill that she had towards the Diesel Punk community, she threw away and she and she took a, a big stinky doo-doo on it. She pooped on the goodwill she had from Diesel Punks everywhere. And now this woman is going to become a pariah. This woman is going to be the one person that you're going to look at and I, I don't know anything about baseball, but there's this one ball player in the Boston area who blew the World Series win because a ball accidentally rolled between his legs when he was trying to catch it. This person was a, a, a pariah because he missed the winning catch of this ball game. And if it wasn't for him, the Sox would have won the World Series long before before they actually did. And he was a great ball player until he missed that until he missed that shot. Yeah. This is exactly what she's done. She. She had the opportunity to say something terrific, and and the and she missed the ball. And not only did she miss the ball, yep. she took a crap on all the fans of Diesel Punk. Who and she went from being a heroine of Diesel Punk to just an absolute abhorrent villain in in just a, a couple of paragraphs. I don't understand how she could go from writing this one article about steam, Diesel Punk for Beginners to this thing about uh, about Mad Max Fury Road. And the thing is, she didn't even mention the hero of this movie, Mad Max. She doesn't even mention Max. And and, and Mad Max in the car that he, he was he was driving at the time. You mean to tell me that that's not Diesel Punk either? She's out of her mind. She's crazy. And she threw away she threw away everything good that the Diesel punk community had felt for her she threw it away and she crapped on it but other than that i have no strong feelings about it mm -hmm. yeah well for me the same but you know i, I said this before and I, I warned people for this actually in a video you know these people will 
throw your community under the bus as soon as it suits them. It, it will suit their, 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 their perfect game. And I think she wants to be rather a part of this clique that she, she promotes on her uh, in her articles than she wants to be, you know, friendly with the diesel punks. Um, and apparently she can do both. She had to throw one under the bus and she chose diesel punk. She chose to throw diesel punk under the bus. And I'm going to tell you something. This is what happens when you get political. And I'm telling you, when you get political like this and you choose one side over the other and you choose to alienate maybe 47% or 45% of your audience for political reasons you th yeah. you're you're killing your audience and when you turn on your audience for this little thing here when you turn on when you turn on an aspect of your audience to make a political point here you're going to lose the rest of your audience because then what you're saying is that I dislike these people who have a political point of view that I don't agree with so that means that when when it, it's beneficial to her, she's going to turn on the other people as well. When it when when something else okay. turns, because the thing is, is that when when you yeah, make this is this is a, this is I mean we've seen this so much and, uh, uh, with these 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 kinds of people. They 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 throw one community under the bus over and over whenever it suits them, and uh, yeah, they'll continue doing that. Um, it's it's not going to stop because they're in this they're they're partially in this for the money and i think a lot of them are, are what for money? The money because the, what money the, the advertisements and also the deals they give one another I like i said that, that that's the clique I, I i don't think that this has anything to do with money at all i think that this is i think this is all about like gaining and losing twitter followers or or because i mean you look at the other work that she's done it's not it's not about money it's it's about being the most famous fan of whatever hot property is out there it has nothing to do with anything mm. else I, yeah well like i said but this is the kind of news this fails but no but you know it's it's irrelevant it's irrelevant um it, it's it exists it's a trend that we keep seeing everywhere and it will not stop for a very long time um so yeah can can we at least end on something positive you know what here's something i i was thinking the same thing because like my therapist likes to say i'm i'm sorry eric but we're almost out of time do you have anything else that you'd like to say here's what i'd like to say i promise you i will never turn on the diesel punk community i will never ever ever turn on the people who are the bread and butter of the Fedora Chronicles network, the metaphysical connection, and all the other properties that I'm involved with. I will never, ever turn on diesel punks for whatever reason whatsoever. I am not ever going to choose a political party or a political system over my family that I consider to be diesel punks. And I think that what we all need to do as diesel punks is to literally put on your fedora or put on your your steampunk diesel punk attire, your retro wear, as I like to call it sometimes. Go out after you got all caught up with your meds, go out and go celebrate life. Go out there, show off, let you let your retro freak flag fly. And this this person, she's done. She's done. Her 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 career as an advocate for diesel punk is over. And that's great for us because we get to step in. She it's an opportunity for all of us. Thank you very much. Now I'm going to take over the mantle. Now, now I am going to be a better advocate than she is for Diesel Punk, and that's it. It's it's a win for everybody. She's outed herself for what she is, and now it's Cinco de Mayo here in the United States. It's a big, huge celebration for people who who you know celebrate multiculturalism, as I tend to do once in a while. We're going to celebrate the heritage of our of of our of our. Um, um, uh, Mexican-American neighbors and because that's I think that's what it's all about and I will talk and you know what I'm going to talk diesel bunk with my friends over over at the at our favorite Mexican restaurant talk about how great it is for us to swap back and forth aspects of culture that we really like without without bashing each other that is what diversity should be all about i uh, totally agree and i don't know if i can top that so all i can add is uh, no matter what it says about what you do keep making things your way and ladies and gentlemen i wish you a good night uh, all the contact information about eric fish and the corona <coughs> fedora chronicles will be in the description so if you are interested in listening more to Eric's wonderful voice, you can do that there. And of course, you can always tune in to Radio Retro Future. So I'm going to wish you adieu and have a very good day. Good night. This has been the Fedora Chronicles radio show number 66. 
If you want to know more about my guest, Bonsart Bokel and Radio Retro Future, check out the podcast's main page, thefedorachronicles.com slash podcast, and click on episode 66. That is also where you can find more information about the Fedora Chronicles, a social media links, and other features on the Fedora Chronicles. Also, click the links for our sponsors, Trinity Whip Company, Landrin Artifacts, and Chester Cordite. Don't forget our friends of the show, Reconstructing History and Penman Hats. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Eric Renderkingfisk reminding you to keep your chin up and your fedora on.